Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at highfivecasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's going on and welcome into the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside my co-host for today, Caroline Gonzalez. And greetings from the Auctioner Sports Performance Center as the Pelicans get set to head on another road trip. Just a one-game trip to Cleveland. They'll take on the Cavaliers tomorrow night. The Pelicans are coming off a big win over the Boston Celtics last night, 123-108. to And Caroline, uh, really not much to talk about or it was hard to talk about a basketball game yesterday as everyone was really thinking about the tragic passing of, of Kobe Bryant and eight others aboard that helicopter yesterday morning. And, you know, this is one of those moments that we were all following as soon as the news broke. And I think we were all were trying to make sure that it was actually true because we were hoping that it was just some sort of fake news, that it was just a horrible mistake. But as more and more reports came out, the more devastating it was. And today, yesterday just kind of felt really weird. Yeah, I mean, for a good five minutes you were my least favorite person on the earth because you were the one that broke the news to me in the radio studio yesterday um but obviously just you know doing our game prep together and then that news broke and you and I both have tweet notifications turned on for several people and so just seeing different people's reactions and then um as you said trying to find out if it was true or not and then the all all the false information that came out and then realizing that we had to have a basketball game and report on that and do you know I do the pregame show you do your pregame show and um, just realizing that this is something that impacts every single person especially everyone that I'm sure was tuning into both of our shows yesterday and so just wanting to do that do due due diligence um, but also trying to cope with what had happened and you know you say cope and neither of us have ever met him and I wouldn't call us close personal friends but um he was just one of those guys that had a hand on everyone's lives and everyone has a Kobe story you know everyone has a a story about Kobe or um you know when they said Kobe shooting uh, a trash uh, or a piece of trash into the trash can and so um everyone has a story to tell about Kobe Bryant and and it was it was hard to 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 rationalize yesterday for us growing up uh, and you in the same generation Kobe was the Michael Jordan I was lucky to watch Michael Jordan early in his career as well because I am a little older than you (laughs) Um, but Kobe Bryant was that guy and I had a childhood friend that I don't talk to as much anymore that he messaged me after the game last night and just talked about how devastating it was and I said that you know we used to go in your 
front driveway and shoot and i'd always yell kobe you yeah. know after shooting a shot and it was just one of those things that was just naturally that most people did and you're right neither of us knew him neither of us met him you know we've i've held a microphone in front of him a couple of times but other than that but it felt like every single person inside the arena yesterday knew him yeah. and everyone that was in the media room at alvin gentry's pregame press conference Anyone that was in the arena pregame, it just felt like the life was sucked out of that yeah. place because I think no one could believe what actually happened yesterday. It, it was very deflating. And then, you know, we talked about all the false information that was coming out. And then once you, you finally did hear that him and his daughter had passed in the helicopter, it was just a lot because I remember, uh, you know, two days prior, me and my roommates talking about uh, we were so excited to see Gigi play and her her basketball career because that was Kobe's legacy, you know, like and he talked about anytime a fan would say, man, you got to have a son because that's your legacy. And she would be like, "Nah, like I got this. Um, and that's kind of like the swagger that you want in one, a daughter and two, a woman's basketball player who is trying to grow the game. And you want to talk about growing the, gr- the game. Kobe was the biggest advocate for women's basketball and um when you when you think about the fact that we uh, will not get to see that because I you know I don't want to speak for the other daughters because they might pick up basketball and stuff like that but um, that was really Kobe's legacy in his daughter and um, you know I saw a tweet earlier today that was like you would hate to have one without the other um, and I was thinking that yesterday yeah. too when you heard about Kobe passing like man how is Gigi ever going to pick up a basketball again? That's that's going to be really hard because you have the world's best basketball coach and he happens to be your dad. Um, and then when you hear that she also passed, um, I don't want to say it, it gave me some sense of uh, relief, but there kind of was a little bit of relief because they got to go together because it would be really hard to have one without the other. Um, and so obviously just, just – uh, deflating news yesterday going into the arena but um i think the players handled it very well yeah anyone with kids you know that's the first thing you think about having a young daughter is just you think that one of those moments that kobe couldn't protect his daughter in that mm-hmm. situation and you always want to be there for your your kids and that was one of the moment that kind of hit me the most is that the family that's left behind for everyone that was on that plane not just kobe bryant there were a couple families on there um but you, I think you mentioned players handled it very well. And we're going to talk to senior NBA writer for ESPN and 538, Chris Herring here in just a few moments. But the 24-second uh, shot clock violations that both teams had I thought was unbelievable. I thought the tribute before the game with the 24-second moment of silence where the shot clock disappeared at 8 in honor of both of his numbers. I thought everyone handled it as best they could yesterday, especially those players who they shut down pregame media, media availability. They really didn't have time to grieve. They really didn't mm-hmm. have time to reflect on Kobe Bryant because a lot of these players, including some of the Lakers players, I mean, that's someone that they walked into that building every day and saw those banners um, in the rafters. I think that was kind of the hardest moment for a lot of these players. Well, I'll keep it short because I know, you know we have to get on to our yeah. interview with Chris, but um, it, it's someone – it seems like every time I, I speak to someone, I speak to people, they're like, oh, how do you carry over athletics into your professional life now? And I say, well, you learn a lot of things from basketball that you don't really realize. And I think yesterday was one of those examples, the grieving process, the, okay, yeah, 
that really stinks and that affects me, but I have to move on and I have a job to do and I have to go out there and perform it. And I think that is the perfect example of what these athletes um, and these human beings did because they are human beings. I tell people that all the time. They are human beings. Their dishwasher breaks just the same as yours does. Like they have problems with their kids. They have to discipline their kids just the same as you do. Like they are human beings. And just because they are professional athletes does not mean they are, they are super, superhuman or invincible. They had feelings yesterday, but basketball teaches you a lot of things. And yesterday basketball taught those athletes that yes, it is hard and tragedy happens, but you still have a job to do and you have to go out there and do it. I bet you their dishwasher is a lot better than ours. <laughs> probably. I've already had to go, go through a dishwasher this season. so Probably oh. powered on their phone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Caroline, I appreciate you sharing some of your favorite memories and kind of just how yesterday went. And we're going to let uh, Chris Herring do the same here in just a moment. But I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you uh, tomorrow on the air with the Pelicans take on the Cavs. I appreciate you. Yep. Let us bring in Chris Herring, senior NBA writer for ESPN in 538.com. Uh, Chris, I really appreciate it. I know we were trying to have you on last week, but glad to have you on the podcast today. I appreciate that. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Chris, as as we talked about uh, off the air here, I know our questions are going to be a little bit different. Your answers will be a little different than what I was going to talk to you about last week as you wrote an article last week regarding the Pelicans and their playoff chances. But we do have to talk about um, the unfortunate news yesterday that everyone – um, is talking about the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant and eight others on that helicopter yesterday morning. And I think everyone, I can't speak for everyone, but, you know, we were at the Smoothie King Center last night when it broke, trying to get ready for a Pelican Celtics game. And I felt like the air was just taken out of the arena. Um, when you heard the news and just seeing the reactions, kind of what went through your mind yesterday? let me say most reporters hopefully are when breaking news of that nature comes across um that one came across and you're like can't be and um even more vigilant than normal about really resisting the idea of of, uh, retweeting something too hastily and you know that was one of those where it's really the only um celebrity death it really stunned me in the way that you know I'm, I'm 33 years old Michael Jackson is the only other one that came to mind for me and and even with that one um we've heard of celebrity overdoses before but helicopter crashes I mean you're talking about a Roberto Clemente sort of uh situation and just people of my generation have not really experienced that um so this was really different and it was one of those things where um you not only hoped that it was wrong and a hoax but you know you felt like maybe there was a decent chance that it was actually wrong because you you felt like Kobe there's just no way that you could lose Kobe at this age and um you know and then having to worry once that was confirmed having to worry whether there was family of his on the the helicopter it's just really brutal brutal awful news and um you know still hard I think for a lot of us to wrap our heads around uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, you're kind of around the same age as I am, and uh, you also wrote about it today on 538.com as far as there won't be another Kobe Bryant. Um, but we kind of grew up with uh, Michael Jordan and his prime and what that meant to us. But then Kobe Bryant, as we've been talking about the last couple of days, is, was kind of our generation's uh, Michael Jordan. And Kobe said it once that he regrets one of his biggest regrets is not playing at the same time as Michael Jordan and his prime. Um, growing up watching Kobe, kind of what did that mean to you and kind of 
the type of player that he was because I agree there is no other player like Kobe Bryant, and there will never be a guy like Kobe Bryant one again. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it just a seemingly like a singular figure. And it's funny, I actually had somebody in my email um, maybe 10 minutes ago who it was funny. He, he, I think the subject of his email was correction, and that's something you never want to see as a reporter. Yeah. But he was basically correcting a technicality because I, in my story I laid out the idea that this is the closest thing we've seen to Michael Jordan as far as, you know, emulating tendencies and moves and stuff like that. Kobe modeled this whole game after Michael Jordan. And so I think I said something about, um, you know, Kobe just having kind of an unmatched competitiveness uh, similar to Michael Jordan. And he said, well, they can't both have, you know, an unmatched. Like, you know, obviously it's matched by one and then the other if they both have it. And, you know, I think I was obviously saying kind of at that time, you know, Kobe's prime was not during Michael's prime and and vice versa, but um, you don't have many people you can look at. And I, you know, I think a lot of people would argue that Kobe was kind of in a league of his own uh, for the majority of his career, as far as how badly he wanted to win. Um, When you look at that Achilles injury that he suffered, that was just brutal. Um, A good friend of mine, Baxter Holmes wrote a, a, a long form story about the seven, eight, nine game stretch or so leading up to that where Kobe, if you remember, I think he had played a 48 minute game um, and was playing 45, 46 minutes to try to will the Lakers into the playoffs and was having soreness in his Achilles before he uh, eventually actually ruptured it. And so, you know, this is a guy that was just willing himself and just wanted to win so badly and um, couldn't understand. I was listening to another friend of mine, Jeff Perlman, who has a book coming out, um, I think sometime later this year, uh, just so happens to have a book coming out on the Kobe Shaq era Lakers. And he was talking about Kobe walking into, I think, a, a restaurant where um, Robert Ory and Rick Fox were eating. And Robert Ory had a beer, you know, for a preseason game. This was the night before they're going to play a preseason game. And Kobe asked him, how could he be drinking a beer the night before a game as if they were playing game seven the next day? And it, it was a preseason game. So Kobe just was wired very differently in a way that, um, you know, as people say to kind of enjoy life and, uh, you know, to not focus so much on just one sport and, you know, not to specialize, Kobe was just wired so differently in a way that, you know, I don't know that we're going to see that as far as the way the game is played and the way that analytics are being really uh, honed in on now with what teams are saying, where to shoot from and stuff like that. I, I don't know that we'll see another Kobe for that reason, just because he, was so different and I don't know that um, while there's still a lot of room for individual superstar play um, a lot of the stuff that Kobe was so willing to take on and willing to put his body through as we look at the load management era we're in now I just don't think we're going to see too many players like him again if at all you also covered uh, the New York Knicks uh, for the Wall Street Journal which means you probably have had some interactions with him maybe not but I do want to talk about kind of your favorite memories of Kobe Bryant or what you'll remember the most about him whether it was something that you know you kind of a story like you talked about Robert Ori whether it was something on off the court um, or even on the court or in your experience um, watching him play um, what stuck out to you the most about Kobe Bryant so I you know I because of when I first started covering the league we were talking about uh, my age before I'm, I'm 33 I didn't start covering the league until I was 20, 25, 26 or so. And so I got the very back end of his career, last two, three years, which much, much of which he was banged up for. But what really stands out to me is I think, you know, for a long time, he was just such a 
a, a dog and a competitive dog um, in the league. And, you know, the, the, the stuff with Dwight Howard and several other players throughout the league, the Smush Parkers and stuff like that, that he just could not really deal with the idea of losing because, again, he ran so hot from a competitive standpoint. And obviously those Laker teams um, that were around him at the end of his career and obviously, you know, his own mortality and father time uh, kind of creeping in at the end, the Lakers just weren't as competitive as they'd been for the majority of his career. Um, I just thought it was really eye-opening when he started to soften and it seemed like he could reflect a little bit more. And in particular, that last season in which he struggled so badly was still taking a lot of shots each night. And I actually remember a handful of um, somewhat prominent writers kind of saying it's time for him to hang it up and writing things to that effect. Uh, Kobe announced midseason that he was planning to retire at the end of the year. And it seemed like once he did that, for whatever reason, it just kind of seemed like he was able to breathe a sigh of relief. And it seemed like he was making a point, you know, even if he had taken issue with the way he'd been written about in the past, um, whether it was off-court stuff, whether it was his on-court struggles, whether it was the idea that, that maybe he was um, more selfish than he should have been as a ball handler, what have you, that, you know, I think you realize that there was no need anymore to kind of, um, to have kind of a tense relationship with certain people or with reporters in general. And it was just so much more easygoing. And it just seemed like he, you know, the way that we complain about so many players saying, oh, my team could have beaten those Warriors you know, or, you know, I would guard Steph this way. Kobe is competitive. He seems to still really appreciate the game and, and the mentorship that he shows to the players. There's just kind of a softening of the image of Kobe Bryant these last few years. And I think really what makes the events of this weekend so heartbreaking is that I think a lot of our eyes have been open to, to just how proud a father he was too. And um, so that's been really eye-opening. And I just think, you know, Sometimes at an older age, people kind of um, soften up a little bit. And I think we were starting to see that happen with Kobe and his relationship to basketball and the mentorship side of him. Chris, you mentioned the, the players and how they've been trying to deal with this in the last you know, 36 hours here. Of course, the Pelicans and Celtics played a game. There were um, six or seven other games yesterday, and all of them did their <laughs> best to try to get through yesterday. How do you think this week goes for the players? And I, I know you can't speak for them in their emotions, but – as far as, you know, kind of grieving and dealing with this, I don't think this is just a one day you move on from it and try to play basketball. Um, how do you think the league goes on uh, honoring Kobe Bryant? I know um, they came out and said that obviously Kobe Bryant will be a first ballot Hall of Famer, which he should now in 2020. Um, but kind of how, how does the league move on from such a terrible day yesterday? I have no idea. And, you know, I, I think the fact that, you know, we were – all kind of wondering, as you said, we're, you were getting ready for a game yesterday. The idea that I'm a conversation or several conversations had about the idea of just calling the games off yesterday. Um, the NBA is a multi-billion dollar corporation um, company, and, and it's not you know it's not necessarily easy logistically to just move things or cancel things. But the idea that that was obviously under consideration and you know you saw the camera shots of players grieving really and you know on some level some of the hardest stuff to watch was watching these guys find out about it in real time uh in a way that you know i, I i'm a reporter so i understand it but also as a human um the notion of people having the privacy to you know to 
grapple with this very difficult stuff. This was a person to them. This was a friend to them. This was a mentor to them. And, you know, this was basically someone that was like a member of some of their families. I, I covered Carmelo for several years and, um, you know, watching him do interviews after the game. Uh, I've never seen Carmelo choked up, but saw him that way yesterday, watching footage of LeBron getting off a team plane and, uh, you know, and just con- being consoled basically. Um, especially when it's 12, 24 hours after he passes Kobe. And when you look at Kobe's last tweet, it is honoring LeBron for passing him in the scoring list. And so it's just, it's, it's really raw for a lot of these guys. And I totally understand that. Um, I imagine that yesterday for a lot of people will have been the toughest just because they had to be out in public right after it happened. But, um, but I have no idea how people move forward. I think that's going to be a very personal thing. I know Kyrie Irving missed the game uh, yesterday. I mean, he said he FaceTimed Kobe right after the game seven win over the Warriors in 2016. So, I mean, this was someone that was incredibly close to a lot of the biggest names in the sport. And um, it, it's, it's just, kind of crazy to think about the idea that Kobe is not there anymore. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, Chris, before I let you go, um, you know, as much as we can talk about Kobe for such a long time and, and how great of a person he was, um, I did want to get your thoughts on the Pelicans before you get out of here. You mentioned you wrote the article about the Pelicans last week on their playoff hopes as they're one of the few teams trying to battle for that eighth spot, including the Spurs, the Grizzlies, who the Pelicans will play later on this week, the Portland Trail Blazers and the Phoenix Suns. Um, but also Zion Williamson making his debut last week and now playing three games. And the few games that you have been able to watch um, of him, what have you seen from him and how he fits in with this Pels team? <laughs> He's not bad so far. Yeah. I, I, I think that would be putting it mildly, but, um, you know, it, it's something watching him play. And, um, you know, I, I don't think anybody would have gone as far as to have said that he looked like a disappointment on the first night before that stretch in the fourth quarter. But watching that stretch, I mean, I don't know that you could have had kind of more of a summation of just what makes this dude special. Um, you know, watching the first half of that first game back, um, he did kind of look like he was playing at half speed. Um, you know, maybe, and then sometimes I think that comes from not wanting to hurt yourself um, as you are getting back into the flow of things and also just kind of trying to find your way in the flow of things when Ingram has been doing as well as he has this year. But um you know, it's going to be fun watching him grow. You know, the jump shot, you lay off of him and he can shoot that. You play too close on him, the guy's, you know, either bulldoze you or dribble past you. He can jump over everybody. We, we saw the block that he threw into the stands the other night. Um, and, you know, the encouraging thing uh, is that, you know, they've been a tremendous plus in the minutes that he's played, both that, that first game and then in the second one, I think he was like a plus 15 or something like that. So, um, you imagine as his minutes get extended more and as he gets a little bit more comfortable with his teammates on the court, that um, only good things will come from there. Uh, they, you know, and they have a much more favorable schedule than the other teams uh, battling for that last spot. And so I think that has to give them hope as well. But um, either way, I mean, it would be great for them to make the playoffs near one. Can you imagine that matchup with the Lakers in, in round one? Right. But even if that doesn't happen, uh, I mean, I think, you know, this season – Given the way it played out, Zion missing half the season, a bunch of other injuries elsewhere for this team, um, it's clearly about the future. And, and I think that's what we saw literally in the first game with them being very uh, stringent with his minute limitations. Uh, they'll be fine either way, whether it's this year or next year, they're aiming for the playoffs. But how much fun. I mean, it's just such a fun team. And I uh, can't wait to watch them a little bit more. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it was nice to see Zion was one of the ones that was able to finish the game yesterday as he was playing a little bit more minutes than he had in the first two games. But also surrounding him, um, some players that have kind of intrigued us um, this season are a couple former Lakers. Um, Lonzo Ball had a career-high 15 assists last night in the win. He, uh, Brandon Ingram has struggled in the last couple games, but has certainly uh, been a candidate for most improved player this year, averaging almost 25 points per game. What have you seen from those two that have kind of led to this surge from the Pelicans as they try to compete for that eighth spot? Yeah, I mean, with, with Lonzo, I, I think it's really evident for everybody to see. It's, it's weird, too, that in a way his, his shooting form looks so much better and the percentage has, you know, it's, it's league average. It's, it's, it's solid, not bad, um, but it's not totally, totally different than what it was before. And that's okay. I think a lot of times we're looking for immediate linear progress uh, from these guys where, you know, if they do this one year, they're going to do even better the next year. And it doesn't always work that way, but I still think it was kind of imperative to clean up the form just so that you can get the shot off quicker, just so that it's sustainable. And um, so, you know, it's been encouraging to see him kind of hold his percentage from last year and improve a little bit. Um, and you imagine they can do even better next year with Ingram. Um, it's incredible how much he stepped up, particularly with Zion not there. I think that's the next question. It was something that I raised in a piece that I wrote about the Pelicans last week is um, now that Zion is there and now that Zion figures to be a pretty big part of what you're doing and the fact that he thrives so much in transition, that he thrives off the, you know, when he's on the move, when he's coming off of curls and pin downs from the corner out to the elbow, um, how does that impact Ingram when he's gotten into such a groove this season and a lot of what he's done has been kind of, you know, when the defense is keyed in on him when it's a one-on-one -on -one situation when stuff slows down. And um, do those styles of play jive together well enough um, for the two of them to play at their best together? And I think it's still a little early to, to know the answer to that. But, um, again, you, you, you take your chances with this much young talent on that team. And uh, you would much rather Ingram have, you know, the type of season he's having alongside someone like Zion and figure it out than to, you know, to have – you know, just bits and parts of, you know, what the Lakers had. And I think that was their challenge is they could never get those guys to play well together in part because of the injuries they all had. So you just hope that the Pelicans stay healthy and get a chance to kind of put it all together. That's senior NBA writer for ESPN and 538, Chris Herring. Of course, you can read his work on 538.com. A great article earlier today um, called There Won't Be Another Kobe Bryant. And you mentioned the Pelicans article. Make sure you go on to 538.com to read that. You can also follow him on Twitter at Herring underscore NBA, H-E-R-R-I-N-G. Chris, I really appreciate the time this morning talking about the life and legacy of Kobe Bryant. I know it's kind of a, a sad day and now a sad week uh, in the entire NBA and, and, of course, all over the world, and really appreciate you sharing a few moments with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Good stuff there from Chris. Of course, you know, we'll be tracking and, and talking about Kobe Bryant for a long time. We'll try to get some other stories from other former players and coaches and executives here throughout the week as the NBA and the world still mourns the passing of Kobe Bryant and eight others uh, from yesterday. The Pelicans are back in action, as I mentioned, tomorrow um, as the Pelicans take on the Cavaliers from Cleveland. You can watch it on Fox Sports New Orleans or listen on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM, 6.30 p.m. Central Time, 6 o'clock. I'll have Pelicans warm up for you and, of course, pregame show as well on Fox Sports New Orleans, and the Pelicans are back home for one game Friday. It's a big one against the Memphis Grizzlies, who currently sit in the eighth spot 
in the Western Conference. And back on the road, Super Bowl Sunday, ABC primetime. It's the Pelicans and the Rockets. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. Trying to find tickets to basketball games or any other live event can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing. With SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats. Buy from any device and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple of tasks. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase in the SeatGeek app. Use the code GOPELS, all caps, one word at checkout. SeatGeek, score the best deals on tickets. All right, again, such a tragic day yesterday. I hope everyone is a little better today. It's going to be a tough, tough kind of time here for everyone. Um, But just don't forget to hug your loved ones each and every night, um, especially even tighter in these next couple of days. Until Wednesday's podcast and until tomorrow from Cleveland, for Caroline Gonzalez, Chris Herring, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky.